Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to transform your whole life, all your life. We hope that you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Amazing. Amazing. Wow, wow, wow. Great to see you. Huge welcome to South Campus and a huge welcome to our overflow downstairs. Just great to have you with us today as we are continuing our series about giving. Uh, If you don't usually find yourself in church or wouldn't really call yourself a Christian, uh, we just love the fact that you're here. We want you to feel really welcome. And you know what? You can just sit back and enjoy today what all the Christians should be doing as we talk about some of that stuff. We've been looking at some things over the last few weeks and uh, it all began with, it starts with the heart. It starts with my attitude. It starts with uh, the, my life perspective. We want a godly life perspective. Last week, we focused more specifically on Tithing. If you were here, you'll remember we had our 10 apples over here and we moved our one apple over here because that one belongs to God. But then the blessing that's on that is on the whole. If you weren't here, didn't catch that message, then you can get that on podcast. And uh, Pastor Lynette just brought it in the evening, just sharing some of the stories of our life because this is not just a teaching, it's a way that we've lived. And you know, I, that's, I've loved teaching this series. I've absolutely loved it. And I'll tell you why, because I just know that I'm equipping you with tools that is gonna enable your life to be blessed. Tried, proven tools that is gonna bless your life. And so without further Ado, I'm going to crack on and just refresh uh, some of our memories uh, in regard to what we talked about last week. We shared that the, the blessing of God flows to those who make God number one in their life. The, the, you can only really talk about giving if you first given yourself. That's the first primary factor. I give myself to God. And people who've given themselves to God prove that He is number one in their lives, primarily through their actions, not just through their words. It's great to sing. It's great to pray. Great to praise. Great to give our testimony. All that is good. Good to talk. But we show that God is number one by primarily uh, living out the standards that He's laid out for us. We give Him the first and we give Him the best. And the whole area of tithing essentially is an act of submission. God says, try me, prove me. He says, he says if, you, if you can get to a place in your life of saying, okay, I will, I will give it a go. He says that by you saying, I will, you unlock his I wills for your life. He says, God says, I will throw open the floodgates. In other words, the floodgates, which have stopped the flood, which have stopped the blessing, now are gonna get thrown open and the blessing is gonna flow into your life. He says, I will pour out so much blessing that you won't be able to contain it. And then he says, I will prevent. I will stop your blessing from being ruined or stolen. Remember, tithing is not a way of God raising money. It's a way of God raising you, raising me. That is, He uses it as a principle 
to grow and develop us. So that's kind of a little bit of our um, backstory. And, and today we're going to be talking to the next part of that because it's about tithes and it's about offerings. And I want to remind you again, we are talking about principles for life. The reason why we're talking about it is because God has decided to use this as an indication of His relationship, my relationship with Him. Remember, when God called the people back to Himself, He didn't call a worship meeting. He didn't call a prayer meeting. He didn't call a Bible study. The first thing He did was talk to people about what they did with their incomes. That was the proof that their hearts were on the way back to Him. So we're talking today about offerings and an offering, we've got ties. An offering is something that you bring over and above your tithe. It's over and above. And essentially, God is saying that tithe belongs to me. So I, we talked about the fact, I don't know if you remember, I don't pay my tithes. I don't give my tithes because it's not my tithe. It's His tithe. It's God's tithe. All I can do is bring His tithe. But, but my offering is something that actually God leaves to me. That's my choice. It's, it's what I choose to bring. Now, over the years, um, and like I've heard, I think I may have heard it all. Uh, I've probably not heard it all. There's probably something out there that I've not heard. But I've, I've heard all kinds of teaching uh, around this subject over the years, the, the Old Testament has many things to say about offerings. And, and, and all great, all great teaching. Um, the, the, the only thing that I would say is that the Old Testament offerings were brought to essentially atone for sin and, you know, a few other things without getting into a complicated Bible study right now. And, and that was about coming under law. And, and I want to say that, that essentially the New Testament offers us another approach because you see, we don't any longer bring offerings in atonement for sin because Jesus has done it all. Jesus has paid it all. There in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 11, it talks about the fact that him being a priest uh, verse 12 there, but when this priest, speaking of Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Isn't that incredible? That God, through His Son Jesus, has paid for all our sin once and for all. We haven't had to kill any beasts this morning. We haven't had to kill any animals. We haven't had to build, bring any sacrificial offerings to atone for our sin because Jesus has done it all. Is anyone glad about that this morning? I'm glad about that. So I want to say that because of Jesus and because of what Jesus has accomplished, we don't um, uh, really follow those old Testament systems anymore precisely. It doesn't, it's not that, that uh, God did away with the law, but the law was fulfilled through Jesus. I would, I would just want to add one caveat to that because it's something that I personally have applied down the years and have proved God in it. And I'm just going to throw it out to you and you can take it away, think about it, chew it over. And that was, there was an offering in the Old Testament that was called a first fruit, a first fruits offering. Um, now, both Lynette and I have done that, done this since we were young people. Um, Excuse the, the old-fashioned language, but I just like the way this version of the Bible put this verse. Proverbs 3, verses 9 to 10. Honour Jehovah with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy vats shall overflow with new wine. 
The first fruits offering was essentially the first of the harvest. It was, it was a little bit of the first thing. And uh, one of the th- ways I've applied this over my life is whenever I've had a salary increase, I've always given the first of the increase to God. So, so I, I, and why? Because out of that, I've believed that God is gonna bless it all, that, that my barns will be filled with plenty and my vats shall overflow with new wine. So what does that mean? Well, it just means that even though I've had an increase, just for one more month, I live at the old rate and give the uplift to God as a thank you for blessing my life. And then I just enjoy the, the fruit of that uh, in the months that come. It's just something I do. You is something you can think about as well. Personally, I just love taking an opportunity to say thank you to God. See, we've talked about the, the if you like, the Old Testament laws, whereas Jesus leads us to a place of giving, but leaves us with choice. So, We're not brought under law, we're brought under grace. And that gives us the freedom to choose. Along with the choice comes consequences. And and, and essentially, you know, I think that sometimes when we hear the word consequences, we can think, we can automatically think of negative consequences. The truth is, it doesn't have to be negative. If, if I do the right thing, I will have positive consequences. If I don't do the right thing, I'll have negative consequences. But we all make choices in our life and we either the consequences will work for us or the consequences will work against us. And I think... With this in mind, this is what Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing to the Corinthian church about in, in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and, and he was essentially encouraging the Corinthian church to be generous. And he said to them, he said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now I want to just say that again. There's a, there's a modern contemporary version of the Bible called the message that I just want to read because I just love the way it comes across here. He says this, he says, remember a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the wind, giving to the needy and reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which throws, sorry, which grows into full form lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great Praise to God. Now there are some real keys here to help us in the way we think about giving and the way we think 
about money. Because there could be a tendency to think, well, God just wants us to, to get up. No, we can think, well, let's just get the tithe out of the way and, and that's that done. Oh, it's like, ah, oh. And then we can just crack on. This is about relationship. God wants us to walk in relationship with Him. He wants us to be listening to Him. It's, you know, God wants a daily walk with us. He wants, the Spirit of God wants to be whispering things to our spirit. He wants, the Spirit of God wants to open up possibilities of, of conversations with people. And, and He doesn't want us just cracking on with our lives. You know, He wants us to crack on with our lives, but with hearts that are open, ears that are open to what the Spirit of God may be saying to us. Now He said, He says that, He says, in that scripture, listen to God. Decide in your heart, not just your head. He says, think it over. He says, I, I, I want to treat you. I'm not bringing you under a list of rules. I want to treat you as mature people. I want you, out of relationship with me, to learn how to be generous givers. So he's saying, I don't want you to be responding to sob stories. I don't want you to be responding to arm-twisting teaching because basically no one likes feeling like they've been ripped off. Has anyone ever been ripped off here? Oh, wow. Only three of you. Well, you're all blessed to me. I haven't, I've been ripped off before several times. But the, the, the point that I'll make is it's not a nice feeling. It's not a nice feeling being ripped off. And that's why, you know, Paul was saying, we want, we want people who are glad about giving. We want people who are cheerful about giving. You know, I said, I said between the service, this isn't just about raising an offering. It's about raising givers. Because givers are blessed people. And blessed people want to give. I think some pastors and leaders are very short-term thinking. Because they are so focused on raising an offering they forget about raising givers. And in the end, to raise givers is the best route. Because if you learn to give and you see the blessing of God pouring into your life, you will never back off from that. I love the fact that he says, he says use your heart. Think with your heart. Think with your heart. Have you ever, have you ever, you've had, you've had a heart response to something. You thought, oh, I'd, I'd love to do that. And then your head gets involved. And you think, actually, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. I've got to do that. And it's like suddenly what your heart settled on, your head messed up. And, 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 and God wants us, He wants us to use our head, but He wants to be led by our heart. Do you hear what I'm saying? Use your head but be led by your heart. When you've used your head, err on the side of your heart. Because your heart's probably going to be a bit more generous than your head. Turn to someone and say, he's talking to you. <laughs> Use your head, but be led by your heart because that's where God wants to speak to us. He says, he says we are left to our own decision. As I said, don't respond to arm twisting or sub stories. I want you to be mature about this. But then he reminds us that our decisions do have consequences because he says, hey, look, make your own decision. But remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. And we're reminded that God is generous and he wants us to live from a generous place. He wants me, you to live our lives from a generous place, not a poverty, lack, tight-fisted mentality. And he says there, I love that. What does it say? Let me just go back to that scripture. He says that... Um, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to
to God. When I give in that way, it will result in thanksgiving to God. So when I'm generous, when I live a generous life, somehow God will use that opportunity to point to Himself. It's like during August, we've got Heart Week, we're going out, over 600 opportunities to minister in different places in our city from decorating to taking day trips for kids and reaching out to refugees. We've got a lot going on. And if you haven't signed up, I'd encourage you to do so. Give, but you know, just you as a family, as a life group, just be part of it because you will be glad that you did. Why? Because it's good to be generous. It's good to give of your time. It's good to be a blessing to other people. And as we do that as a community and impact our world around us, somehow God's going to take seize the opportunity and cause it to overflow in thanksgiving to God. So God wants our generosity to lead thanksgiving. So this most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals. Now you've got to remember, Paul, the Apostle Paul He's talking to a community. He's giving them pictures. He's he's giving them pictures because he wants them to grasp what he's saying. He's not using the format of um, Old Testament law. He's using the farming language of sowing and reaping because he's giving them a picture that he thinks they will get and within it is a principle that he's trying to teach us. So the the passage speaks about seed to sow and bread to eat. Because firstly, God wants us to be generous from a place of blessing. God wants us to be generous from a place of blessing. Have you when when you feel blessed it's much easier to be generous, isn't it? When, you, when things are tight and uh, you're not quite sure how to, to make things happen, then it's, 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 it's a much more of a strain. But when you feel blessed, when you know you're blessed, it's much easier to give from that place. Now, I, I want to say, you know, because... I think when some of us are thinking about how blessed we are, you know, well, how blessed am I? Someone usually pops into our head who is better off than us. They've got a better house. They've got a better car. They're doing better than us. They're on a better salary than us. And we we think, well, yeah, I'm blessed, but I'm not as blessed as that. You know, I'm not. Those guys are blessed. And because we compare ourselves with someone who's got more, we then rob ourselves of realising how blessed I actually am. Now, listen, you know, this, this what, I'm gonna about, what I'm about to read you could probably be torn apart, but even if it's partially true, it just helps give a bit of perspective. It says, if you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back, a roof over your head and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world. Or another one, if you have money in the bank, your wallet and some spare change, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. Now that, that just brings a little bit of perspective because you could be comparing yourself to, to those who have plenty, but you need to really compare yourself with the the majority of the world who are not enjoying the blessings that you have. And you know, all of us, you know, I think it was Rockefeller who said, is how much money is enough? And I think he said, just a little more. You know, we always think just a little more, just a little more. That's when I'll have just a little more. But that's that's never ending. Just a little more. I, I think that we've got to learn to, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. God has blessed my life. He has blessed me. I've, you know, we need to learn to live from a greater place of thanksgiving, thanking God 
for what I have. Thank God for my health. Thank God I'm in a right, right mind. Thank God that, you know, that job might not be everything you want it to be, but thank God you've got a job. You know, you get, get, get out of bed tomorrow morning and put a smile on your face and say, this might not be all I wanna do, but thank God I've got a job. Thank you that I've got some income. I may not be earning as much as I would like to earn, but thank God I've got something coming in. Thank you, God, I've got some food in my belly. I've got some clothes on my back. We, we need to approach life more from a place of being thankful and grateful to God and understanding that we're not just talking ourselves into a place of feeling blessed. I am actually blessed. Turn to someone and say, you're blessed. And now turn to someone else and say, I'm blessed. Because sometimes it's just easier to think that somebody else is blessed. You need to, I'm blessed. I may not have everything that I want, but I'm blessed because God is giving me what I need. So we get from this, this, this passage that we are all given seed. We've got some seed here, got some seed there. We're all given seed and some of that seed can be ground down into flour and with it we have bread. That's, that's what he says. We have, we have seed and we can turn some of that seed into bread. Now, when you think about bread, you are not just thinking about food now. You're thinking about the fact that bread represents the things around me, the things that I need. It's, it's like, this is for you. This is your portion. This is what you need to sustain your life. And there's an understanding there that if I eat all my seed, it's my seed. I can do what I want with it. But if I grind all that into flour and make bread and eat it all, where is my next harvest coming from? because I've got rid of all my seed. So there's a requirement for me to be a steward of what God blesses my life with. He's saying, look, some of it most definitely is for bread, is for you. But there is seed also that you need to sow for future harvest. So some seed needs to be sown. And that's the bit where our faith comes in. Remember, he's treating us as mature people who listen to God and do what he says because he's presuming that we just have that kind of relationship, that we walk as people, as, as a God and his son and daughter who love one another and, and, and we are living as grateful people because we've been saved. We were lost, but now we're found. We, our eyes were blind, but now we see. Now we've been saved by grace. We didn't deserve it. Everything that I have is a blessing from God. And he's just assuming that I'm gonna walk with gratitude with him, listening to his Voice and, and therefore he's saying, but this bit, guys, it's up to you. If, but remember, if you are stingy, you're going to get a small crop. And if you're generous, you're going to get a generous crop because that's the law of the harvest. That is the law. And, and, and I would want to say, the law of the harvest is not just addition, it's multiplication. You don't just get back what you've sown, you get back more than you have sown. But seed needs to be sown in order to multiply. In other words, it's got to leave my hand. For seed to multiply, it's got to leave my hand. If it stays in my hand, it's going to just stay seed. But if I sow it, then it stands a chance of multiplying. To receive multiplication, it must leave my hand. Now, okay, so that's seed and bread. and uh, let's, let's just bring it home. I've got a couple of helpers and just to help you see with something that's beyond seed. Thanks, Tando. 
Um, so, Andy, there's penny, a penny. That's your seed, okay? You hold on to your seed. Now, if whatever happens now, you just hold on to your seed. Now, I want you to see this. It's just a, a bucket of coins, but I want you to see it as God's eternal supply because God's not lacking anything. God's, God's not wanting, God doesn't need to go and borrow anything from anyone. Everything belongs to Him. It's in, he's got an eternal supply. And He is looking for opportunities to bless. He's looking for opportunities to pour out. But the reality is that if I am just holding on to my seed, Andy, how much have you got? You've still got your seed because, well, that's what you've held on to. But let's imagine another scenario where and Andrew, he thinks about, well, you know what? I'm going to sow my seed. Yeah. And now he has an opportunity to receive right. from the eternal supply. And as long as he keeps giving, he can keep yeah. receiving. And it can, as it keeps being poured out, right. he can keep giving and receiving more. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see that? And some of that seed, thanks guys, some of that seed is, just put that down for me too, thank you. Some of that seed is for bread and some is for sowing. But I live my life with an open hand, not a closed hand. When I give, I open up the possibility to receive multiplication. Now you say to, might say to me, well, that's great. It's great if you've got a load of seed. It's great if you're rich. I mean, I can see how that might work out. But clearly, there's a principle here, even in 1 Kings, that is saying it's not just about how much you have. In 1 Kings 17, uh, verse 7, the Bible says, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this is Elijah, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called out to her and asked, would you please bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me Please, a piece of bread. Surely, as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And of course, that was her story. She did exactly that and the oil and the flower did not run out. I find it interesting that Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. And I get that because if any of you here have ever been a place where you've hardly had anything and maybe you've even recovered from that place and you think to yourself, I'm never going back there. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You think I'm never going back there. That was too difficult. It was too hard. You see, fear will step in. But this woman, you see, when, when Elijah challenged her to give something, she immediately focused on what she didn't have. She said, I can't, I can't do that. What you don't understand is I've only got a little bit. I've, got, I've barely got enough for us. Never mind giving to you. But, when, but he got her to open her hand because she was holding tightly 
onto what she had, but she was preparing to die. And the man of God was saying, basically, open your hand. Give from the little you have and I will cause multiplication to enter into your life. And that was absolutely her story. You see, Luke, the Gospel of Luke says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If I am faithful with the little I have, I will prove that I'm trustworthy and God will be able to give me more. You see, God is trying to get things to you, but He wants to first make sure He can get it through you. I'm going to say that again because I think some of you are just waking up now that God wants to get some things to you, but He wants to make sure He can get it through you. Because can He trust you with the resource? Because He wants you to learn to be a blessing. God wants you blessed. And I want to remind you that at no point has He asked for it all. At no point has He asked for it all. He's, he's taken one apple and said, well, to be fair, that's mine. And then He's given us freedom of choice with the rest. The bread represents the portion you keep for yourself. God wants you to have your portion. I think some of us, we kind of live under this guilt thing because, you know, somehow at the back of our mind, we've bought into an idea that maybe I should be just selling everything and giving it all to the poor. And God just said that to one person ever. And it was quite probably someone who needed to hear it, but he, it was one person that He said that to. And, and he needed to hear, but he, he didn't say it to all of us. He, he, he was saying, no, I want you to live from a place of blessing, but I want you to live with me in mind and I want to make sure that your portion is blessed. See, I love the fact, Second Chronicles uh, 2, verse 1. This is Solomon. Solomon, he comes. Solomon gave orders. Solomon gave orders. Build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. What? I mean, it sounds great, doesn't it? Build a temple for the Lord, but also a little royal palace for me would be quite nice. And it, God did that. God did not mind. God did not mind Solomon having his palace. Why? Because he put the temple first. He put God first. When God doesn't mind you having your stuff, but He wants your heart. He doesn't mind you having your stuff. He just doesn't want your stuff to have you. And I prove that my stuff doesn't have me by putting God first. See, when, they, when the children of Israel came out of slavery, you know, like this is a picture of us coming out of death and, and darkness and sin. And, 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 and they, the, the Bible tells us that they were brought, the children of Israel were brought into the wilderness. And God absolutely looked after them in the wilderness. There was a, a cloud that covered them in the, uh, in, the, in the day. There was a fire that kept them warm at night. And, and they, they had manna that they woke up to uh, on every day except one. And uh, uh, where they collected enough for two days, there was water that came from a rock and their clothes did not wear out. Blessed, they're blessed, blessed. And, and you see, the thing is this, I think this is where overall Christians and particularly the church have got stuck. They've got stuck with wilderness, just enough thinking. You see, they know that we've, now, we've got more than not enough, but now we're in just enough. And because it's blessed, it's easy to stay there. Because why? Because, you know, every day I've got my food, I've got enough for the day. That's all I need, enough for the day. I've got my clothes on my back, I've got enough. It's not wearing out. It's just enough for the moment. It's just enough. Just one thing, God did not want them to live in the wilderness. He had a plan for them to live in the promised land. 
And in the promised land, there was abundance. There was more than enough. Their bread was not scarce. And all he said was, and when I bring you to that place, please don't forget me. Please don't forget me. Don't get so taken up with the blessing that you forget the blesser. Don't get so taken up with the stuff that you forget the source of all that coming into your life. You see, God, God has always had a plan to bring His people into a place of blessing, but we walk in relationship with Him as mature people and we're not just people who God can get things to, we're people who God can get things through. If you want to read about God's plan for people in the promised land, you can go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm not going to read that now because we haven't got time. But Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 1 to 14, if you're taking note. And you can find out that that God just wants to pour out His blessing, abundance, no lack of bread, iron and copper in the hills and pomegranates and olive oil. I mean, this was living the dream. They just lived off water and manna. But God wanted to give them an opportunity to manage their resources and to not forget Him. Let me tell you something right now. Right now, I'm going to make a statement. And for some people in this room, I've preached. You don't need to hear anything else. That is the one thing you need to hear. Some of you, you don't need more money. You need to steward the resources God has already blessed you with. You need to steward the resources that God has already blessed you with. And when you do that, you will see that He'll bless you with more money. The answer right now for you is not more money. The answer for you is that you budget and you steward the resources that you have properly. Now, I'm not going to look at anybody because I don't want anyone to think. And I know you're looking at me like, no, you're not talking to me, Pastor, because I just look after everything, just amazing. But that's great. But I want you to know See, God wants, God wants us blessed. God wants us, God wants us to have enough to reach a city. He wants us to have enough to reach a nation. He doesn't want us just dancing around a few crumbs and calling it a feast. He actually wants us to have a feast. He wants us to have abundance. And He wants us to get it that when I give and when I bless God, God blesses me and job opportunities and increases and resources will seek me out. Why? Because I'm blessing God. And I've got God as first in my life. God does not have a problem with you having things. There's an account in the Gospel of Luke where um, Jesus told them this parable of a certain rich man who yielded an abundant harvest and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you and then you will get what you then who will get what you have prepared yourself for yourself and this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God and you know how many times have we heard preachers preach on that scripture and it's like the evils of having stuff you see people who stored up for themselves things and God said to them you fool, tonight you will die. And then who will get your stuff? And then somehow we've left with the conclusion, right, oh yeah, right, we shouldn't have stuff. We shouldn't have stuff. We shouldn't have stuff. We shouldn't have it. But that's not what he says. The issue was not that he'd saved. The issue was not how much he had. The issue was not even that he wanted to have a party. The issue was that he failed to be generous towards God. God did not mind him having the stuff, but he didn't focus on God. He focused on himself. God doesn't mind you having your stuff, but he wants you to be generous towards God. 
do not be deceived. God not, cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he has sown. And this is the message that God is trying to get to us. He says, he says that um, whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will receive eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He says there at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. Because that's the faith gap. God is not a slot machine where you put money in and you get money out. It doesn't work like that. No one sows a seed. No one sows a seed. Puts it there and says, oh, I'm just sowing that seed. I'm just sowing that seed. And I just, just wait to see if it brings a harvest. I mean, who sows one seed? No one at all. Just see. Let's see if it's got any roots. I don't know. Has it got any roots? No, it's not got any roots yet. It's like, let's say. I mean, you, you don't do that. You take your seed and you sow it. You don't actually know where your harvest is coming from. But in between times requires faith and patience. That's why you don't just sow one seed and wait for a harvest. You sow many seeds because you don't know where the harvest is going to come from. I might sow in that field, but reap in another. God taught me a very serious lesson some years ago. And uh, so I'm going to use a name that, that some of you will know, but most of you won't. So don't worry, the names are immaterial. But I went away. Uh, with uh, uh, David Sherman who used to lead this house and uh, we went, I was just the young man carrying his bags and uh, we went to um, America, we were going to Canada, we actually going to a, a Bob Seymour's uh, church and this guy had taught about giving, he'd been here and taught about giving and um, we, we were going to Canada via Washington State and we stopped off a church in Washington State and I was in a church there and, uh, and I had just, uh, I had a few quid that, you know, I was going to buy some t-shirts and some sweets uh, for the kids with and, um, and, 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 and not a lot, you know, things were not exactly, uh, we weren't living in too much abundance back then and, and you know, uh, I was sat there and the offering time came. I felt, I felt prompted by the Spirit of God to, to put all that money in the offering. And I thought, oh, really? You know what? I'm going to do it. And you know why I was going to do it? Because the next church we were going to was Bob Seymour's church. And at Bob Seymour's church, they believe in giving. And I just know there's going to be somebody who is one is looking for a young man to bless. Someone is looking to pour some blessing into a young man's life. So I just, I, I had a moment, I thought, you know what, Lord, you're absolutely right. And I just threw that money in the arasha, in the name of Jesus. I just put that seed in the offering book. It was absolutely awesome. And um, and uh, so we, we went to Bob Seymour's church and we were there for three nights. And uh, I was there for the first night and nothing, nothing, nothing happened. It's fine though, it's fine, blessed. Because we've got two more nights, we've got two more nights. It's absolutely awesome. And, uh, and, then, and then night two, nothing. <clears throat> okay, it's fine, it's cool, Lord. One more night, hallelujah. Just leaving the best, one more night. You're leaving the best till last, hallelujah, rasha. I just believe him. And then that night, because it was the last night, David gave the young man a go and he, gave, he said, you know, come and join me in praying for people. And so we, I was on the platform and the people had come forward in response and I was just praying uh, uh, for people. And I saw someone come off to the left and they were just a bit fidgety. And I noticed they got a hand like that. So I'm up here now, like this. But because I'm trying to be holy, I'll pretend that I hadn't seen. <laughs> so like, rasha, hallelujah, Lord. Just, I even started moving the opposite way just to really prove how holy I was. But then in the end, it, was, it would have been rude. You know what I mean? It would have been rude not to. So I finally, oh, like, can I, can I, can I pray for you? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and they said, no, 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 I've got to go. But I just felt the Lord tell me to give you this. And I thought, this, oh my God, Jesus, hallelujah, there is a God. And he held out his hand like that and dropped a, a well, it was actually a polo, a breath mint into my hand. (laughs) 
that was a moment of first disappointment. Then, Lord, does my breath smell like that? That God had to tell you to put a, a breath mint in your hand. And so I went, you know, to pray for a few more people and hung around to see if anyone was going to hear the word of the Lord and nobody, nobody did. We went to one more stop on the way home. We went to a leaders conference in Malaysia. Meanwhile, I've given it all away, you know, like we've gone to a place with very poor people. People were coming to the meeting with no shoes on their feet. I did absolutely, I didn't even pray for people at the end. I was just the young man carrying the bags. But someone came to David at the end and said, we just want to bless you, man of God. And they said, and we also want to bless you. And they gave me an envelope that was more than enough to, to bless my children with. But with it came a rebuke from God. Don't you decide where your harvest is coming from. Don't you decide which field you are going to reap from. Because you might sow there, but you are going to reap where I decide you will reap from. God will cause you to sow there. And don't be looking there because if you're focusing there, you might miss your harvest. Because meanwhile, your harvest is actually over here. And you're thinking, well, I can't believe it. I've sown here and no one is bothering. And meanwhile, it's like God's... I've got your harvest over here. Will you trust me? Number one, an offering is something that you bring over and above your tithe. Secondly, God tests us as mature people and allows us choices, but those choices have consequences. Thirdly, we have bread to eat and seed to sow. Fourthly, for seed to be multiplied, it must leave my hand. Fifthly, faith and patience will be required, but the harvest will come. Sixthly, God wants us to steward abundance, but seventhly, not forget Him and always be generous towards Him. God bless you. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been both challenged and inspired. To stay up to date with everything going on in our church, go to heartchurch.co.uk.